Well, hello and welcome to Get Informed America, the show that breaks through the mainstream media box to bring you real smart news. Hi, I'm Dave Oakenquist, and joining me is the smartest man I know, the Informed American, uh, of course, the editor of InformedAmerican.com, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, good morning. How are you? I'm well, Dave. How are you? I am great, Rodney. I'm so excited because it is real. It is happening. We are live here on Facebook. Um, when I thought, you know, maybe we can just go live, Rodney, as a, as a casual thing. Um, but it turns out you need some sort of a, an audio engineering degree or years of training to figure out how uh, to put, uh, you know, couple of pieces of software together and, and do all this. Uh, but apparently, uh, it is working and it seems to check out. And of course, all of you watching, you can, uh, you can comment below, uh, and react to the things we're talking about. Or if you've got a question for myself or Rodney or just, just a comment, go ahead and uh, drop it, drop it in the comment section down below and we can read those as we're going. Uh, so Rodney, isn't this, isn't this amazing? Some kind of groundbreaking technical achievement here. <laughs> it is. I would say it's, you know, so easy that a 10 year old could do it, but I don't want to make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's true although you know from the phone f from the phone you can pretty much do anything very easily but when you start doing things on a, on a desktop it uh, it all just goes goes upside down i mean uh, i was at the uh, as all of you seen and uh, rodney as i as i told you i was at the, the mike pence rally down in clearwater beach uh reporting live for all of you and at the end i just i pulled up the facebook app on my phone went live and i was able to talk to everybody it was seamless it was no problem so i don't know maybe everything is just gonna just gonna be on this from now on who knows exactly <laughs> All right, Rodney, let's kick off. Uh, let's kick off the show here with news from this morning. Um, we had the jobs report. It uh, the markets, all eyes were on were, were on the jobs report. We had a stronger than expected report. Uh, so stocks rose on that. But but uh, you know we had we had a gain of uh, about one point four million. Um, and uh, and but I'm sorry, we had a gain of one point seven six million on expectations of one point four. But the issue here, Rodney, is that this is a this is a slowdown from last month uh, when we had a f uh, four point eight million. Uh, jobs added in June. So it is a bit of a step back. Uh, I'd like to get your take on this. Mine, I assume this is second wave stuff where we're getting more restrictions, more lockdowns, that kind of a thing affecting job growth. Uh, is that how you read the situation? Not quite. I, and I'll tell you, it's because they take this survey the week of the month, including the 12th. Okay. And so this is from the week of July 12th. And in the age of COVID, that might as well be, you know, a year ago. And yeah. so uh, I, perhaps it was the beginning of the slowdown or the, you know, reimposition of uh, restrictions or things. But I think what we've experienced just anecdotally over the last three weeks since this survey was taken uh, to give us the jobs numbers is we've seen a lot more places shut down, restrict capacity and that sort of thing. And so I, I think the, the slowing down was certainly starting, but it has um, become a bigger thing over the last several weeks. One of the things I looked at in this jobs report was uh, certainly the numbers were, you know, to the positive. I'm glad that we have more jobs created and lower yeah. unemployment, but it, we had actually higher earnings. And weirdly, that's not good because higher earnings means that your mix of employees skews to the higher paid, which means that you don't have more of the low paid workers, which tend to be the front end workers who live paycheck to paycheck coming back onto the payrolls. And so we still have a big issue, uh, obviously, and it tends to be focused uh, among those who make lower amounts. And that is the problem. And I know we'll talk about, uh, you know, the next relief package or lack thereof uh, in a little while. But that, that was something that was kind of a warning sign in these morning's numbers for me. 
Yeah, interesting. Now, just for keeping score here in terms of uh, the job losses during the pandemic and what we've been able to uh, make back. Now, these numbers are a little bit different, but in terms of payrolls, uh, the payroll report, which is what we're talking about here, uh, Americans lost about 22 million 22 million jobs off the national payroll. So, so far we've gotten back less than half, Rodney, 9.3 million. Um, so, and then we've got uh, 31 million people who are still claiming unemployment benefits. So this is a long, long road to go, isn't it? It is. And when you see unemployment, the unemployment rate, which is a little different, and, you know, not worth getting into the technicals on it, but the rate of unemployment was 11.2 and or 11.1 and fell to 10.2. Yep. That's great. It's still almost three times the level of unemployment from February, which was, you know, three and a half. And so while it's the right direction, it's a long way from where we were. Uh, just some highlights here. Restaurants hired about 500,000 workers. Uh, so that was it. So I mean, what you would expect, right, as small businesses start to open restaurants, that sort of thing. Now, looking ahead, Rodney, to next month, um, there's some indications and something I've been watching. I'm sure you're kind of seeing the same thing uh, in the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt, which was the which led the, the second wave here, you know, Florida, Texas, Arizona, California. Uh, those are the, the, the states with, with a spike in cases and in deaths. Uh, but that does appear to be coming down. And one of the one of the charts i've been watching are deaths by date not by reported date so actual date of death uh, and if you look at that that chart uh in florida we are about you know three four weeks past that peak so maybe could we just a, maybe just a, a bit of optimism here could we see a strong a strong report for august we could um but you have to keep in mind that we're still in the first wave of the virus so we haven't even hit that second go round, which tends to come in the fall. This is still first wave stuff, and we're about to do, you know, school. Wait, 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 wait! Hold on. You're telling me this wasn't the second wave? We're still in the first one now? Absolutely not. <laughs> so now forget it. Just forget this it all. Exactly. And so um, <laughs> we're we're about to have people go back to school, and you know, what I I think schools should open. There's a lot of things about that. Certainly, there are older parents and grandparents that need to worry about this. Yeah, um, it's a mess. But as you get people who are congregating in large numbers, guess what? You have more spread of the virus. It's just the way it goes. And so what we need to remember is this is all about eventually achieving herd immunity. And, and that's never gone away. It was never about stopping the virus. It was never about curing the virus because you don't cure viruses. It, it was it was never about somehow controlling it. It was about slowing the spread so we don't overwhelm the healthcare system to the point that we can get the same sort of hum herd immunity that we have for the regular flu uh, right. influenza. We don't cure that. It comes back every year. We just have enough people who've had it in their system to where we can fight it and keep it at a lower level. And so that we're still plodding down that road to get that herd immunity eventually to COVID-19. It does seem like uh, looking through this that while the lockdowns uh, seem to help the spread somewhat. It seems, in my estimation, my my layman's opinion is that it, it really more delays the the eventual spread. To put it that way, does that does that jive with, with what you're thinking? Right, and that's what it's meant to do. Yeah. I, I, there's no question that it's what what it's meant to do is uh, kind of make it a, a a longer, lower curve. If you know, if you can remember the charts from when all this started, yeah. the idea was to get rid of that huge spike and peak and make it a long, low curve, which clearly implies people getting it for the first time for a long time. Yeah. And so we're tracking kind of what the uh, uh, authorities wanted to have happen. And when you look across the pond at Europe, 
and they say, oh, well, we did a great thing because, you know, we don't have these infection rates. You just got to look at it and think, not yet. You're going to. Yep. You, know, you <laughs> will coming. be Sweden one day who did not do the lockdown, but they self-imposed a lockdown. So it's really it, it's not descriptive to say they didn't do it because they acted that way, even though it wasn't official. Right. Um, but they had a much higher rate of infection than perhaps their neighbors. But they're also bouncing back faster uh, in terms of GDP and jobs. And so uh, eventually we'll all be Sweden, whether we want to or not. Great. So, Bradley, let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what's going on with the National Rifle Association. I'm sure everyone here has been a little bit ticked about that. Our group here on Facebook, we got a story here you put up on InformedAmerican.com. New York State takes aim at NRA. Uh, have they seen the crime statistics? <laughs> Rodney, I don't know that they care, but we'll, we'll answer that as well. Uh, New York State Attorney General uh, Letitia James sued to dissolve the National Rifle Association, claiming the leaders of the nonprofit had defrauded members by diverting millions of dollars to themselves. Uh, the lawsuit claims that NRA, NRA leaders paid for trips uh, to the Bahamas, private jets, expensive meals, and uh, contributing to a uh, $64 million reduction in the balance sheet, turning a surplus into a deficit. Money quote here, Ronnie, the NRA's influence has been so powerful that the organization went unchecked for decades while top executives funneled millions into their own pockets. The NRA is fraught with fraud and abuse, which is why today we seek to dissolve the NRA because no organization is above the law. Rodney, is it great to see the New York Attorney General fighting for the people? It seems like they, they're, they're, they're very concerned with the, with the financial health of NRA's donors. Is that the aim here? Or, Rodney, is it possibly because they want to dissolve the biggest defender of the Second Amendment in the United States? What do you think? Uh, I think they're, both are possible. And I'll tell you, I, I actually have a bit different take on this. Okay. I am thrilled to see somebody, you know, looking through the NRA as I am through any organization like that that takes in a lot of money on a nonprofit basis to see where they're sending the cash. Yeah. And the NRA has had questions around it uh, for a long time. Uh, LaPierre, who runs it, you know, after Ollie North was kind of bounced out of there. And LaPierre doesn't lead a, an austere lifestyle. And so the money comes from somewhere. And so, yeah, definitely people should be looking at this. As they should be looking at any organization that is, you know, nonprofit like that. How the, the difference is, uh, you know, Attorney General James comes to it and says the answer is to kill it, and it's like, well, wait a second. Well, yeah, kill it. <laughs> Shouldn't the answer be to, you know, punish the wrongdoers and let the organization continue to do what all the members wanted to do? Because following her logic, we should get rid of unions we should get rid of the you know police benevolent association we should get rid of any association that has seen money diverted to the leaders at the expense of what the members wanted to have happen and they haven't really called for that it's this one specific one that they would like to kill and that's of course where the problem is yeah so and uh, i believe the president made a suggestion for the nra to move to texas i guess as as we're moving rodney is something we've been talking about a little bit here and uh, and elsewhere this parallel justice system that seems to be evolving um there's certain certain rules for certain political for certain political classes and other rules for others um i mean could we see that continued in the united states where you know right right-leaning corporations and nonprofits go to go to go to red states to avoid prosecution or something like that <laughs> Well, and it's hard it, to, will we see this? Sorry, but will we see this increase? I mean, basically, um, a lot of a, a lot of political organizations are headquartered in New York, and clearly, this is uh, this is a 
this is an aggressive prosecutor going after a conservative organization. Um, that, that, that seems clear to me. Um, and I believe uh, it seems it, I mean, there, there may be wrongdoing. Fine. Uh, but this does look overtly political to me. Well, and the, if you raise money in a state, you are subject to the state laws, right? It's like doing business in a state as a as a you know private organization selling widgets. If you sell in that state, you are subject to their rules, and so they're going to get sued by the New York uh, Attorney General no matter what, yeah. uh, because she has a special axe to grind with this organization. Uh, but I, it's always been the same, right? You know, um, the, the 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 group that's out of power, or the group that's certainly out of favor is the one that is most likely to have uh, a lawsuit brought against it. And, you know, you look at Washington, D.C., and what happened with uh, the lawmakers who traveled for John Lewis's funeral, as they should, right? They go down to Atlanta, they attend this funeral of a man who is cur- certainly a pillar of civil rights and, and march across the, you know, Edmund Pettibus and everything. But they weren't required to quarantine or anything when they came back. And it's like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. Those rules are for health. And they're like, oh, well, this is official, gov- official government business, as if that makes the virus do something different. And so the hypocrisy of it uh, is clearly um, the unequal uh, application of the law, which is, of course, what we're talking about and is, of course, exactly what's not supposed to happen here. Yeah, great points. And now, uh, so what does this mean politically? We got we, uh, over the uh, the violence over the George Floyd pl- protest that broke out. Um, we've seen in really skyrocketing uh, gun sales. We saw, I believe, it was a 133% increase in sales in July. Um, and regardless of what happens in this particular case here uh, with the New York Attorney General and the NRA, uh, politically, Rodney, was this a, was this a gift to President Trump uh, to, for, for a talking point heading into November election? Well, I, I think it uh, solidifies a group, right? I mean, if gun rights are one of your hot button issues, it had kind of not fallen by the wayside, but certainly uh, moved out of the limelight uh, because things had moved on. Gun sales are up dramatically. Um, and, you know, as you said, in response to, you know, the current protests and people looking at the election and saying maybe he doesn't get elected. So perhaps gun control comes back. Just a yeah. number of reasons. Um, but then this brought it back to uh, center stage. And it's like, why would you do that? Because anybody who perhaps was not focused on it at the moment and is a supporter of gun rights is certainly going to look at this and say, hey, wait a second, you're trying to take this away from me. And uh, I I think it certainly gives him a more solid ground with the group for the, which this is a hot button. No question. Yeah, so maybe some people who might have potentially sat out the election uh, because nothing was there to motivate them may have found right. that motivation to go out there to the polls. I'm not saying that they would have voted for Biden. I'm yeah. saying that, as you said, perhaps they would have just been a bystander and it's going to make them take a proactive stance. Interesting. All right, Rodney, let's let's talk about the latest on the stimulus, the, the stimulus that uh, now in the last week we talked. We, I mean, I was pretty confident that by by this time today, they would have had a deal, and it appears as though they're not going to have a deal, Rodney, as we head into uh, the end of the day. As, as I understand, the Senate is supposed to go on recess, so w- what the heck's going on here, Rodney? What's the latest? Uh, the official recess, I think, starts on Tuesday, and that, okay. so they have through the weekend to get something accomplished. Um, and, and without going into the rules, they could be called back or extended or all those other things. But say, say that it all goes you know, according to schedule. They're still far apart on a number of things. Um, they're, they're reportedly, because of course we don't have actual, you know, play by play on this, reportedly 
the Democrats say, hey, we need this $600 weekly federal unemployment bonus check yeah. back. And the Republicans started and said, nah, $200. <laughs> well, now the Republicans have moved up to $400, uh-huh. but the Democrats aren't coming off the $600 number. Now, I don't know if that's exactly true, right? I, I read that. Uh, but it's always, you know, deep background, somebody won't be named. Uh, but the point is, they do remain apart on this and have not agreed to something. We've gone two weeks now, two Fridays of not having this benefit out there because it expired Friday the 31st. Mm-hmm. And so it's two weeks of how they qualify, how people qualify for unemployment benefits that they haven't gotten this money. That's $1,200. And we talked at the beginning of this about uh, the unemployment numbers and the reemployment skewing to higher paying jobs. So lower paying is what is still uh, you're seeing, you know, millions who are unemployed. Right. That's important money. And it's going to be another 600 and another 600. And so they don't come back until I think the second week of September or the end of the first week of September. And so if they do not agree to something, then we're going to have a real problem with um, people missing that money for five, six, seven weeks until we get to September. Yeah. I mean, as we as we highlighted earlier, Rodney, there's still millions and millions of people who are still out of work. We've only come only uh, that 22 million number that uh, off the payrolls, only 9.3 million have come back. There's lots of people uh, who need that assistance. And um, it's coming down to what. It, also, there's this issue. Of the, I know the Democrats want to put uh, they want they want money to go to states, cities and states. Um, that seems to be one of the big sticking points as well. And and also uh, Republicans, uh, the other side about this immunity issue. Um, with with businesses and uh, entities not getting sued for if somebody gets sick, right? Those seem to be the other things out there besides the unemployment benefit, uh, right? Yeah, and we've talked about that for months, right? That this was coming, you know, since the Democrats made their first uh, proposal, or they passed a bill in the House back in May. And so this has been talked about for a long time. Um, the crux of it remains what we talked about last week, which is um, the House is not willing to entertain passing a small or skinny bill that's just the unemployment benefit yep. and the moratorium on evictions or foreclosures. And so the fact that that won't happen means that they're kind of holding this hostage. And so then it becomes a game of how can you spin it? Can the Democrats make enough noise to say, hey, look, we passed something back in May and you didn't do anything for two months. And so you're the problem. Or can the Republicans make enough noise to say, look, we're willing to give people the really important part for their daily life. And you're not willing to entertain it while we work on this bigger piece. And so you're the problem. And of course, as you and I have said forever, they can argue about who's the problem. We know who pays the price. And that would be the people who are not receiving the benefit. Yeah. Now, let's assume that no deal gets struck in Congress. The president has suggested uh, that he could take action himself uh, with regards to unemployment insurance, uh, that, that federal tack on. Evictions is another thing. Um, and this, so there's all, you know, some of the things, so it, certainly nothing going on between cities and states, but the stuff that goes directly, directly to the people, rather, uh, the president has suggested that he could, uh, he could pick up his phone and a pen and, uh, make something happen on his own. Now, there, what, do you, what do you think of this? Well, so evictions, it comes down to loans on multifamily housing and single family housing that, you know, you think of as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and other things. Um, that are eventually controlled right now by the Federal Housing Finance Authority, the FHFA. Um, and it comes down to the IRS and how they apply the rules that they have. And so I don't know what he can do with the FHFA, if he can actually instruct them to tell loan servicers not to foreclose or anything without a law. Um, I know that the president can um, 
instruct the IRS, uh, well, by declaring a national emergency, he can instruct the IRS to change how it collects tax. Yeah. And so he could tell the IRS, do not collect payroll tax. That does not change the liability. You still owe it, even though the IRS is not collecting it. Mm-hmm. And so the question with that would be, you know, then a game of brinkmanship. If the president said to the IRS, don't collect payroll tax through, you know, call it January 20, right? Uh, the next day that the, uh, the next, the day that the next administration is supposed to take place or take over. Then what happens after that? Does Congress then waive all that back payroll tax or does it become due on that day? Is it just when one big pot that people have to pay? And so it would essentially be handing this, this bomb to Congress to say, are you going to make this blow up in people's faces? Are you going to pass a law that retroactively says they don't have to pay that payroll tax? Right. So, or, or fund it in some other way uh, or to back fund that or something. Yeah. No, I understand. So it's the same but, story. Yeah. So it's, he can take some action, but he can't change the monetary uh, responsibility on his own because that's the check and balance in the system, right? Congress controls how much money flows. The president as the lead executive who administrates things kind of says how it gets spent and how it gets collected, but he can't change the responsibility of it. What about the the unemployment insurance stuff? This this could be maybe the stickiest one, but as far as I know, that uh, we haven't uh, I haven't seen an update on this in a couple of weeks. But a large chunk of that first stimulus money is still sitting there in the treasury. What if what if what if the president says to uh, Secretary Mnuchin, "Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Steve, let's uh, let's let's take some of the money out of the treasury coffers and let's uh, let's send you know." I don't know, but maybe it's maybe maybe not for unemployment, or maybe the uh, that twelve hundred dollars that's been rumored. Or he says just send everybody twelve hundred bucks, Steve. Go ahead and do that, and uh, uh, let the Democrats uh, sue to uh, sue me uh, for for doing so. What do you think of that that possible move and uh, political ramifications of that? And, and I haven't looked at that specifically, but I think it falls under the same general guidelines or, or rules, rather, that the president can't change what the money gets spent for. He can just change. Okay you know, the, the speed or, you know, the, the withholding for the timing, he can change the timing. And so for him to say, look, I'm going to take money that was for the main street lending program, which probably is a chunk of the money because it's meant to back loans that are made by the federal reserve. Yeah. And they said the money didn't get spent. We got this, you know, tens of billions of dollars over here. I want to go move it over there. Well, that's exactly uh, what the president was trying to do uh, with money for the wall and all sorts of other things is kind of redirect it within the budget when it had not been appropriated that way. And to your point, uh, if he tried, he would get a lawsuit. And that's how it goes. And it would be fast-tracked, and we would know in a matter of days what was going to happen on that. Well, then you, but then you, maybe you leave it up to the voters to litigate this thing, right? The president uh, made a unilateral decision. The, the Congress couldn't come up with an agreement. And the president said, hey, pay the people. Uh, I, I don't know what, how that would shake out. Uh, well, I think politically it would be favorable. Then what would happen down the line if there would be some more? Well, I guess we would just get another impeachment probably if you get re- reelected. That would be the newest thing. <laughs> so. Well, the checks wouldn't go out the door before the lawsuit happened because first thing they would do is sue to get an injunction against it to stop yeah. it while they litigate it. Because they would say, look, you're going to do an irreparable harm if you sent it out. Because if it's found to be illegal, you can't claw it back, you know. And so it wouldn't go out the door. Um, But all this, it it goes back to the same issue. It plays out over time. And time is exactly what the people who are counting on it don't have. Yeah. And so it all circles back to Congress not doing their job that they were elected to do. And I'm I'm not arguing against or for either side of the aisle. We've seen this for a long time. And it's it's a shame that we get into these situations where it's like, really, do the job, yeah. do it, and let's move on. 
agree 100%, Rodney. So those are our main topics. I've got a couple of small things. There's something out there in L.A. that you wanted to highlight uh, today. What, what do you got on that? Yeah, the uh, mayor of L.A. has authorized the Department of Water and Power to turn off water and electricity to houses that the L.A. police verify as having house parties. And so, you know, you can't go to a restaurant with a bunch of friends. You can't go to a bar, sporting right. event, or whatever. And so what people are doing is they're either hosting a big party at their house or they're renting out their house where people are having these parties and pool parties. And everybody's going, hey, wait a second. You're not wearing a mask. You're not doing all this stuff. And they're like, eh, it's private property. We do what we want. Right. And now the mayor's decided, no, your private property is not private. We're going to enforce what we want to have happen by cutting off water and sewer. And actually, one of the city councilmen uh, has introduced a motion that would not only cut off water and power, uh, not sewer, water and power, but it would also... Uh, give them the authority to yank your certificate of occupancy. So they could just say this house can no longer be occupied. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> this is great. Uh, so we got uh, on one coast, they're going to take all your guns. Um, and then on the other side, and if you don't do what we tell you to do and you don't follow the rules, we're going to turn off your electricity, turn off your water, and we'll kick you out of, kick you out of your house if you don't do what we say. This is a... Yep. I just, <laughs> where are we going here in this country, Rodney? <laughs> your house is not your castle. It's a piece of property that you live in at the pleasure of the government, or at least in L.A. I mean, how, I mean, these are the people that accuse, you know, Trump of being a dictator and an authoritarian, and they're literally going to smoke you out of your house and <laughs> turn off your utilities if you don't follow their rules. I mean, and then you, and of course, and, and by then your gun's gone, so you can't defend yourself. You can't defend your home when the, when the cop comes to remove, forcibly remove you out of your house and you've got, no, and they just say it's no longer valid because you didn't follow law. Uh, and then bye, see you later. There are your rights, uh, because we believe in science and, you're stupid. I, I don't. I, I just. How can this fly, Rodney? How can well, you, you just... go a little further than I do? I'm not sure many people <laughs> are defending, you know, themselves in their house with weapons against the police. That sounds like a really bad idea to me. But uh, I do think that the law. Well, if I'm being wrongfully, that... hold on. If I'm being wrongfully, in my mind, wrongfully evicted out of my house, then maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I can defend it. I, I don't know. This, this does feel like tyranny to me. So I, yeah, I, I did go a little far there, but I would tell it... you, don't try that. If they show up at your door, comply and fight it later. Don't fight it at the door with a weapon. No, okay, yeah, don't shoot at the police. I don't know why. That's <laughs> a bad idea. Back a bit. Uh, Ronnie, there's a couple, there's another thing here that I saw. Um, just one thing before we get out of here. There's some election war gaming going on for 2020. Uh, and one of the things here was uh, they had uh, John Podesta, who was who was uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, who played the Biden side here. And so w w here's a scenario here. Um, I don't know if this is just for political nerds or what, but uh, this is interesting. It says a, there's a big popular vote win for Joe Biden and a narrow electoral defeat, presumably reached weeks uh, after counting the votes in Pennsylvania. That's another thing. You know, will we get will we get uh, a decision on election night or is this thing going to go long, uh, yep. a protracted With thing? All the mail-in votes, yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, but so for their war game, they cast Podesta to, to be, play the role of Biden. They expected him to concede as Clinton had, but he didn't. He shocked the organizer, saying he felt the party wouldn't let him concede, alleging voter suppression. He persuaded the governors of Wisconsin and Michigan to send pro-Trump, uh, sorry, pro-Biden electors to the Electoral College. And in that scenario, California, Oregon, and Washington threatened to succeed from the United States. Uh, if Mr. Trump took office as planned and the House named Biden as president, the Senate and the White House stuck with Trump. And at that, the, 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 the nation stopped looking to the media for clues and waited to see what the military would do. What do you think of this, this nightmare scenario for election, for the election, Rodney? 
I think it's silly. Okay. I, I don't, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I, I think, I mean, John Podesta, give me a break. You know, it's people who've been yelling and screaming since, uh, Trump won the electoral college and lost the popular vote in 2016 who keep saying that he's illegitimate, but now they say, Oh, he won't leave. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, look who's screaming about the process and the problem the whole time. And yeah. yet it seems to be working like it's supposed to. I think we will have an election. Whether or not we know on election night because of mail-in ballots, I don't know, because clearly it's only going to be important in states where the vote is close um, that allow mail-in ballots as opposed to just absentee. Uh, but I, I think we'll know within a week or two, and I think like it has been for more than a couple hundred years, a peaceful transfer of power in the United States. Well, I certain, certainly hope so. But what do you think of the media making this, already putting feelers out here for <laughs> such ra- radical things? This wasn't this was in the New York Times, I believe. This wasn't like, you know, the Daily Coast or something, um, putting this kind of stuff out there that, uh, you know, get ready, guys, this could be bad. And here's kind of, you know, one plan or something. And I think it's the same old thing, right? The the media or, or people who want to use the media, they, they, they blow something all out of proportion as a straw man so that they can be there to knock it down. And it's like, don't we have enough reality and enough <laughs> yeah. problems to deal yeah, with on a daily basis without creating a new one? <laughs> I mean, give me a break already, right? <laughs> so I, I, th- those are the pages of the newspaper that I gladly pass by and keep going because I find them terribly irrelevant and unimportant. Uh, Ronnie, uh, I, I lied. I got a real last thing here. What do you think of President Trump uh, doing a 45-day uh, notice to, for uh, putting TikTok on notice that they will be no longer able to operate in the United States? What do you think of this executive order, Ronnie? I kind of like it. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, um, I'm I'm a free market guy. You yeah. know, I, I, I lean libertarian, but I don't go all the way there because of the issues with mercy and caring for those who care for, the, care for themselves. But I also look at it and think, look, when people do something in a clandestine way, they mean to hide from you. There's That's the reason it's clandestine. And so I look at things like TikTok and WeChat. It's like I, I can get the notion that these are connected to the Chinese government and they would use them for nefarious purposes. And you know what? I can look at them and say, we're not hurting ourselves by saying let's not have that product or service just like you know huawei as the technological provider for antenna and other things in high-tech communication i'm pretty good with saying i really don't want that chinese technology throughout the united states because yes i believe they're going to use it for some purpose i don't agree with in the future so kick them to the curb yeah, sure. And it's just a short video sharing app. I mean, any, uh, I think Instagram is already starting to move into this, you know, limited time video sharing. I mean, this isn't super technology anyways. Might, might as well have an American owned. But what do you think of this, Rodney? Something, I, a comment I saw on Twitter is that we should, any app that convinces teenagers to lick toilet seats to get coronavirus is not an app that we should have. What do you think of that stance? I will tell you that there's not an app that convinces teenagers to lick toilet seats to get COVID-19. There's stupidity among teenagers <laughs> yeah. that convinces other teenagers to do stupid things, just like licking ice cream in the grocery store and everything else they did, right? <laughs> and so we we just have a broader audience of stupid, gullible teenagers because we have the internet now. It's not the app. It's the uh, gullibility of the people involved. Yeah, so not it's not guns that kill people. People kill people. It's not apps that lick toilet seats. People lick toilet seats. Is that the, the syllogism there? Uh, it is, and I'm sorry. Can you even say that with a straight face? You know, it's not <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not I don't have a straight people face. People that like toilet seats. <laughs>
<laughs> well, that's all we have for today. Uh, I'd love for all of you to head over to informedamerican.com where you can get real smart news in your inbox every day by uh, sharing your email with us. And Rodney, when they head over to informedamerican.com or if they sign up with their email when they get stuff in their inbox uh, over the coming days, what kind of stories can they expect uh, to see? Well, I, this week it should be all about uh, the stimulus package, right, or the relief package or what you want to call it. Since we do have a couple of more days, we'll see if they get something done. And uh, if we do, it should be a relief, certainly in the financial markets, and a relief for people who rely on those benefits. And so um, I think I think most of the talk is going to be about that. Great. For Rodney Johnson, I'm Dave Oakenquist telling you to get informed, America. You've been listening to Get Informed America, brought to you by the Informed American Radio Network. Please like and subscribe today in order to get new exclusive weekly episodes. Any questions, thoughts, or comments can be sent directly to info at informedamerican.com. And don't forget to visit informedamerican.com to keep up with real, smart news. Until next time. Fight fake news and find common ground.